Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. Many of you would remember the great president of America from years ago, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was a brilliant mind. He was part of what was known as the Enlightenment Movement. And Thomas Jefferson had a very large library. He was very well educated, a great thinker, over 6,000 400 books in his library that he donated in 1815 to the Library of Congress in the United States. And so a highly respected man, a brilliant thinker, but he thought too much. He tried to rationalize the supernatural. So one day he decided he's going to write his own Bible and he's gonna call it the Jefferson Bible. Now in those days they couldn't do what we do on computers. So he took a Bible and he took a blade and he cut out every reference in the Bible to healings, miracles, the supernatural, anything where the power of God was displayed, he cut it out, and he made a new copy of the Bible. And if you read his copy of the New Testament, the book of John ends like this. It ends, and they rolled a stone against the tomb and went away. How many of you know we know it doesn't end like that? You can cut it out of the Bible. You can cut it out of your thinking. You can cut it out of your vocabulary or your family, but you cannot cut it out of history. It's an indisputable fact that Jesus rose from the grave and that our God is a miraculous God and he still raises the dead. Do you believe that this morning? You know, when I first read the story, I thought it was quite shocking, but then I realized that we all do it. We all, at times, cut certain portions out of the Bible. We cut and paste, especially when it doesn't fit our experience. We read something, but it doesn't match our experience. So we want to cut and paste. But today, we mustn't cut and paste. Because even though Jefferson cut and paste, he couldn't cut it out of history, and he couldn't cut the power of God out of working in the lives of people, and it still happens today. How many of you know God still raises the dead today? I want to speak to you this morning on the God who raises dead things. You might be sitting here this morning, you've got a dead marriage, you've got dead relationships, you've got a dead business, your finances are dead, in fact they're stinking. Maybe emotionally you're dead, you have no feeling anymore, you've been so hurt. Maybe when it comes to friendships and relationships, there's a deadness there, you can't make a connection. And in our lives things die but God is the God who raises the dead, both in the future figuratively and realistically and in reality, God raises the dead. We need to expect him to touch us today. When Jesus spoke, Lazarus came out of the tomb. His words activated life. Today, when you hear the word of God, expect life to activate you. All the way over in Kalami, expect life to flow. As you hear the word spoken, life can come. Then Jesus touched the widow's son at Nain. He put his hand on the coffin and that touch brought life back and the dead man was raised. Today you can experience both his voice and his touch and the dead things in your life can come back to life. Our dead lives, our dead dreams, dead marriages, dead finances, dead minds, dead hearts, dead opportunities, can all be activated again because our God raises the dead. Now, before I get into the practical side of the message, during the time 
that Jesus was on earth after his resurrection. They say it's from the April the 10th to May the 18th. That's why we celebrate Easter over that period. Jesus appeared to over a thousand people in 19 different appearances. In fact, one, one occasion, 500 people at once. The only time you can convince 500 people of something weird at once is if they drink water with LSD in it. <laughs> These people all together saw Jesus resurrected. So it is not a mythical or, or an analogy, it is a reality that Jesus rose. If he rose, we too can rise, not just in the resurrection, but today because Jesus died for our sins, but the resurrection took place so we could have new life. Are you all with me this morning? So we're going to read one of the New Testament passages this morning, and I'm going to give you six things that we have to do, because as they went to the tomb, the tomb is where God did his best, but in response to what God has done, this personal responsibility, if we want to see dead things raised in our lives, we need to do what God has told us to do. Are you with me? So let's read from Luke's gospel, chapter 24, and verse 1 to 8. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They still haven't found his body. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, possibly angels, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. There are many people who've got their faces to the ground today. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Look at your neighbor across the campuses today and say, he is not here. In other words, in the tomb. But he is here by his spirit. You see, some people are looking for Jesus in the wrong place. He goes on to say, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Jesus has told us things in his word that we need to pay attention to. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Maybe you're here today and your dreams are shattered, your hopes are gone. Maybe like the women, you've expected God to do something and he hasn't. When you've looked for his work and his power, it's been like an empty tomb. There's nothing there. But God wants you to know that he can still raise the dead and he can still do wonders in your life. He did his part at the tomb. Now it was up to the women to do their part and the disciples to do their part. Let me give you six things that we mustn't do today in the negative in the sense but the angels gave them instructions. And if you want to see dead things raised in your life, number one, don't look for the living among the dead. Don't look for the living among the dead. Don't seek life from dead people. And I don't mean people in the graveyard. I'm talking about people who aren't born again. Don't seek to get life and rejuvenation and encouragement and perspective and vision from dead people. You'll only get it from Jesus, the resurrected one. And they came looking in an empty tomb, but he was saying, no, don't come look here. You need to go and look for the living one. Don't look at your past. Don't go to the dead things of your life and keep looking there. No, keep looking to the living one. 
Because if you keep going to the dead things, you keep going to the dead, you're not going to find life. And too many people are going back to their mistakes. They're hanging around with dead people. In the end, you're not going to get the life, the resurrection life that God intends for your family, for your business, the opportunities. You need to seek the one who rose from the dead. The cross is where he paid for our sins. He removed our penalty and our punishment, but then he rose from the dead so that we could have new life. I love what Philip Brooks, the great man of God said. He said, let every man and woman count himself immortal. Let him catch the revelation of Jesus in his resurrection. Let him say not merely Christ is risen, but I shall rise. Can you say that this morning? So don't keep going back to the dead things, the dead people and the past. You need to come to Christ, the living one. And the angel asked them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? God's asking you the same question today. Number two, the second thing we need to do or not do is don't only look at the cross, look at the resurrection. So many believers only focus on the cross, the cross of Jesus. I was speaking on television and someone wrote me a note saying, you never mentioned Jesus or the cross once. Well, in 36 years of ministry, 52 weeks of the year, it might be that I don't mention it because we focus on new life, but it's built on the foundation of the cross. Now, the cross was a terrible thing. It was brutal. It was violent. They killed Jesus. They buried him in a, in a dark tomb. Darkness descended on the world from three o'clock in the afternoon when it should be sunshine, and Jesus was punished for our sins, but we can't stay there we can't keep coming to the cross. We have to come to the resurrected one. Because when the resurrection took place, it was a bright day. Dawn came, light came, life came. So don't keep going back to your, the cross of your mistakes and your failures, to where everything died in your life. Keep coming to the living one. Keep looking for the resurrection. Keep looking for new life. New life. You see, every miracle God does is not to take us back to that miracle to read about the man at the pool. No, we don't just go back to the man at the pool. We go back to the miracles of Jesus so that we can experience new life for ourselves because today he's saying to us, rise up and walk. Every past miracle points to our future. The cross points to the resurrection. And we mustn't go to the cross only. We must go to the resurrection. Too many people focus on their failures where everything went wrong, where it was a dark day. All of us have got dark days and night. You ever made a mistake in... In this room, in Kailami, anyone ever made a mistake? And you know what happens? We bring up our mistakes and we write ourselves off and so do other people. People are quick to write you off. But I've learned, you can't go to the dead and look for life. You can't keep going back to the cross, you've got to go ahead. Many years ago, I discovered that. You know, I was reading about Tiger Woods. He just recently won the Masters in Augusta. He was the youngest ever to win the Masters at 21 years old. So he had an amazing start. But he's had some serious personal problems and he's had some real challenges with his health. His back's been in trouble. And it's amazing how other people keep taking him back to the cross instead of pointing to his resurrection. Have a look at these journalists that have now been proved wrong. Listen to what they said about Tiger Woods. 
in reality, I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win a golf tournament again. Are you giving up on Tiger? I've given up on him ever winning anything ever again. He is not ever going to win another tournament. I just think he's done as a public figure. I don't think we'll see him play golf again. Tiger's competitive career is over. Yes. Is he going to win another major, yes or no? I don't think so. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. Doesn't matter what they say, it's what God can do. But your focus must be right. Don't look for life among the dead. And don't focus on the cross of your failures. Focus on the resurrection. At 43, 43 he's a comeback. And in Kyle Army this morning, if there are any golfers there or in the room here today, you need to get your swing back. <laughs> They've written you off, but you're gonna get your swing back, baby. Don't look at the cross, look at the resurrection. Josh McDowell said this, a great apologist, he said, while the resurrection promises us a new and perfect life in the future, God loves us too much to leave us alone to contend with the pain, guilt, and loneliness of our present life. Don't just wait until you die to be resurrected. Expect resurrection now because you should be living a resurrected life, not an existence of survival. Number three, the third thing that we need to do is don't let hopelessness invade your life. Let faith fill it. When the women went to the tomb, hopelessness invaded their lives. Hopelessness invaded the lives of the disciples. They only saw the cross, not the resurrection. And it's so easy when things die in your life to let hopelessness invade your life. When sickness comes, when there's a diagnosis, as you saw on the screen, you've got to let faith fill your life. Don't get around people who add to your hopelessness. They will encourage you and tell you how dead it is. There's nothing worse when you go through a tragedy and the family comes around. If you've got an Indian family, there's a lot of them. I've been pastoring for a long, long time. Whenever there's some kind of an incident, at least 50 people pitch up at an Indian home. But make sure that the people who are around you are telling you that God can, not commiserating with you about what the devil's done. And hopelessness can invade your life, can so easily take over if you're not careful. There was a man called Jairus, who was a synagogue ruler and whose daughter was sick. She was just 12 years old. And he went to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal his daughter. He approached Jesus in the street and Jesus agreed to come with him. But on the way, another woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, she grabbed hold of his garment. The Bible says power went out of him and she was healed. Can I tell you that when you come to church, don't just come sit to church and fold your arms and I dare you to bless me. No, you need to come with a, <laughs> you need to come into the room. That's why you need to come early and worship. Singing is not the warm-up for the real thing. You need to come in. <laughs> she didn't ask. She didn't pray. She didn't have one of those long spiritual prayers. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name. No. <laughs> and he stops. Power goes out. She gets healed. There's a whole interruption. Finally calls her out. He discovers who she is. He commends her. 
And as they turn around and they're about to go on, bad news comes. Others come and hopelessness is about to invade their hearts. Let's pick it up here in the text in Luke chapter 8. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Can I encourage you not to tell people that? Jesus wants to be bothered. The woman with the issue of blood bothered him. She wasn't kind. She didn't request. She didn't request an appointment. She bothered him because she was desperate. Don't listen to negativity and let hopelessness invade your heart. That's what happened at the tomb. That's what happened here. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. In other words, keep your faith up. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him. Do you notice that? Except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. There's certain people you mustn't have around you when you're trying to raise the dead. Sometimes you can be, you can be in a meeting, and you can be with people, and because of who's around you, you can be left out of what God can do in your life. I'm gonna make an altar call at the end of the service and in Kyle Army, Pastor Devin's gonna lead you in prayer and when he does, just shut out everything from you and say, God, have dealings with me. Because if you've got the wrong people with you, the dead in your life cannot be raised. Now let's read on here because it's interesting how Jesus responds. It says, meanwhile, all of the people were wailing and mourning for her. That's what most people do. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, look at this, knowing that she was dead. In other words, the facts told them. Doesn't matter what the facts say today about your marriage, your life, your finances, your health, your mind, your marriage, your, your business. God can do beyond what the facts say. Come on now. It says your but. Oh, I love the buts of the Bible. I generally don't like big buts, but the big buts in the Bible, they appeal to me. They get my attention. Do butts get your attention? Are you with me in Kyle Army? Let's have a look this morning what it says. But he took her by the hand and said, my child. So he touched her and he spoke. Get up. Her spirit returned. So she was dead. And at once she stood up. You see, Jesus saw the danger of hope evaporating. That's why he kept certain people out. He stopped certain people because they need to be the right conditions if you want God to work. He doesn't just work no matter what you think or feel. You need to keep faith alive. And at the tomb, they, they needed to move into the resurrection life and they were in danger of letting hopelessness invade their hearts. Jesus speaks, he touches, and he wants to do that today. When Paul was speaking to King Agrippa, he made this comment, and I want to remind you of this today, because God can raise the dead, and he can recreate our lives. Paul said to King Agrippa, why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? It's not incredible, it can happen here today. Some of you are saying, well, I'm being swallowed alive. You don't know what I'm going through, Pastor Andrew. You, you have no idea the, 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 the level of what is happening to me. I was reading about this diver, off the Algoa coast, man by the name of Rainer Schimpf, he's 51 years old, he takes people in wetsuits and snorkels out to see whales. Well, while they were out watching the whales, a whale swallowed him. You can see in this picture, 
how the whale has got him, his bottom and his legs are sticking out. He said, as he went inside the whale, he took a deep breath. He kept hope alive. He didn't say, oh, I'm done for. Well, he held his breath, went down into the stomach. The whale clearly tasted rubber and then spat him out. Imagine if he had given up and said, well, I'm dead. It's over. No, he took a breath. We need to take a, Holy Spirit, you can give me life. And we've got to keep hope alive. What's dead or dying in your life today? Keep hope alive. In Kyle Army, number four, don't listen to your feelings, listen to scripture. Our feelings have got a voice and they will tell us negative things. It will betray us. We have to listen to the voice of God. Imagine the feelings of Jairus and his wife. When they heard that report, their hearts must have sank. But Jesus said, no, my word, don't be afraid. And he declared that she would rise. And we need to read God's word and believe his words. Imagine the range of feelings in those women who went to the tomb. Imagine how they felt when they looked inside and saw it empty, that, that, that loss, that fright. The Bible says there was, there was grief, there was mourning, there was bewilderment. They were, they were wondering. Other, other gospels say they were in doubt as to what was happening. And, and we've got to focus on the word of God, not on our feelings. Mark chapter 16 says they were trembling, they were bewildered, and they were afraid. Don't know what you're feeling today, but don't listen to that. Listen to God's word. Listen to what he says. Sometimes your feelings can speak so loudly that they have the last word, but God's got to have the last word. Can you say amen? And the word keeps pointing us to the fact that God raises dead people. Our speak needs to be right. The apostle Paul teaches us that we need to speak right, then we'll bring our feelings in line with what we say. Notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one, I love that, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. How bad is your worst situation today? How big is your biggest problem? You need to speak faith and believe that God can raise you up out of it and give you victory because he's the God who raises the dead. What other God is known as the God who brings dead things back to life? No other God. Where do we get that? We get that from the Old Testament, where God speaks. That's his reputation. That's his personality. That's his character. In fact, I was reading a book called The Dead Are Raised by Tyler Johnson. He says this, resurrection is restoration. It's not merely an event or a miracle. It's God's character. The beauty of the resurrection is that it reveals to us that God cannot but help bring life to any situation he's invited to. He's just, he's got resurrection life and if you invite him, he's just, I've got to help them. I've got to bring life. It's because he's the God who brings the dead to life. Now you all remember the story in the Old Testament of Abraham and Sarah. The Bible says in Genesis and again in Romans that Abraham was old. He was 100 years old. That's pretty old. And that his body was dead. And Sarah was also dead. And there were no tablets. <laughs> Nothing blue that you could take to help you on your way. To raise the dead. There was no clinic. 
I don't know why you're laughing. It's a serious matter. <laughs> to be childless is a desperate situation. No fertility clinics, no means of doing anything. But what does the Bible record when something is so very dead and God's made a promise? Are you with me? You mustn't listen to your feelings. You need to listen to what God says. The Bible says in Romans 4, let's read these three sections of scripture here from verse 17. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead. Can you see that? And calls into being things that are not. What is in your life that's not? God can call into being that which is dead. It says against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in faith, you see personal responsibility. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So you've got to look at the facts, people. We're not people who try and lie to ourselves. We see something as dead, but then we go to the God of the living. He says, since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Notice, don't mention a woman's age in the Bible. It's rude. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. God believes you're righteous when you just trust him. Now watch, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins Friday and was raised to life for our justification Sunday. Are you with me this morning? So it's not just a story about Abraham, it's a story for us to learn something about our present situation. In fact, God so revealed himself to Abraham and Sarah that they no longer lived by their feelings. When God came to Abraham and said to him after a while, said to him, I want you to take your only son, the one I told you would be the promise, the one I promised you, I want you to take him and I want you to offer him up on an altar. The Bible says the next morning Abraham went. Why? Because he had learned that God was a God who raised the dead. Let's read it in Hebrews. It re recounts the story. It says, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Can you see it's both literal and figurative? God raises the literal dead, but he also raises the figurative dead. But watch, you've got to give him your all. When Abraham gave, him his, gave God his all, God gave him resurrection life. Some of us in the room and in Kalami, we haven't given God our all. That's why we haven't seen the full power of resurrection life. Because you only experience when you give your all. Because you say, take my dead, Lord, and give me your living. But if you think some of your dead is still living, you'll hold on to some of it. Now, I like some of this dead here. I enjoy this dead section here, this dead section here, and wherever else I want to point. You, you've got to let it all go. Because then when you do, God comes through. Don't listen to your feelings. Listen to scripture number five. Are you all still with me? Are you receiving something from this this morning? Number five, don't look at the ground, look up at Jesus. The Bible says that the women looked down at the ground, probably out of fear of the angels, 
but they were also discouraged. And when I read in Luke 24, just a few passages on, I see that the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says their faces were downcast, looking down, drawn, negative, but probably looking down at the ground. And Jesus had risen, but they didn't know it and didn't behave as if he had been risen. They were behaving as though he was dead. How are you behaving today? As though there's no hope or are you looking to Jesus? Don't look at the ground where your failure is. Look up at him because that's where your hope and your confidence should come from. You know, it's very hard when you have caused things to die to look to Jesus with hope. Isn't that true? It's one thing when others do it, but when you do it to yourself. Peter had denied Jesus. He had sat at the fire after boasting that he would, he would, you know, they'll all deny you, Lord, but not me. And then he denied the Lord. Guess what happened? His ministry died. His faith died. His calling died. The Bible says in John, they went back to fishing and he took other people with him. But guess what? Instead of looking at the ground, he should have expected Jesus. Jesus went on to the beach. He encounters Peter. He calls him out of the boat. He shows them a catch of fish and he sits down and he has breakfast. And instead of looking at the ground, Peter looks to Jesus and his dead ministry is revived. His dead life is revived. His calling is revived. Are you hearing me this morning? If you've been disappointed in yourself, look to Jesus. Don't come into the meeting and look at the ground. Don't drag your heels. Today he wants you to look to him. The women were discouraged. They were looking down. Look at Mark chapter 16 and see the women, how they behaved here. The, the, the angel says to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter. Isn't that wonderful? Special mention. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Don't look in the wrong place. Don't look down. He's coming specially for you. Even if you messed up, he's got a plan for your life. He raises dead lives, dead dreams, dead ministries, dead homes, dead marriages, and dead businesses. And we mustn't be hard on ourselves. How many of you know that even if you don't mess up your own life and you, you end up feeling that you, it wasn't your fault that something's died in your life. Even when others have caused the death of something, God can still raise you. I see too many divorced people walking around scarred as though he or she killed me. How are you? Oh, you know, I was married for, you know, seven years. And you know, he left all. You hear me, oh, no, I was married six years and she took everything, you know, she took me to the cleaners. So, so they're walking around looking at the ground dead because others did it to them. Now, it doesn't matter what others do. You need to keep looking to Jesus because it doesn't matter what others do. God's got a dream for your life. Isn't it true that others, even in his own family, took Joseph and put him in a pit isn't the pit a picture of the grave? Didn't he have great dreams that others spoiled? Well, he kept looking to God. The Bible says the Lord was with him and he kept looking to the Lord and guess what? Because his focus was on Jesus, not on the ground. God took him out of the pit and made him prime minister. I don't care what others have done to you. I don't care what you've done to yourself. Don't look at the ground, look to Jesus. He raises dead things.
In Acts chapter 7, it says this of Joseph. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him and rescued him from all his afflictions and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh. Wasn't that like a resurrection? Josh McDowell, the apologist, says, no matter how devastating our struggles, disappointments, and troubles are, they are only temporary. No matter what happens to you, no matter the depth of tragedy or pain you face, no matter how death stalks you and your loved ones, the resurrection promises you a future of immeasurable good. Are you receiving something this morning? Number six, and then we're done. Don't trust in law keeping, but in Jesus and believing. Too many of us experience death in our lives because we're trying to earn our salvation. Jesus paid for your sins on Friday. You should be living in Sunday's new life. But instead we keep trying to earn and then we fail. So we end up in death instead of in new life. Are you with me? We, we end up in a self-righteousness instead of a God-righteousness. We, we try and earn our, our resurrection life instead of just receiving it as a gift. And the disciples could not earn salvation. They were justified by the resurrection of Jesus, and so are we, just as if I'd never sinned. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned. This morning, if you keep being hard on yourself, you'll never experience new life. You need to say sorry, you need to repent, and you need to look for life. If you are looking amongst the dead for the living, You'll go back to law keeping. You need to go amongst the living to look for life. Notice what it says in Romans chapter four, and I'm nearly done, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That's the knowledge that will raise you up in life. But if you keep going back to law keeping, it's like you're going back to death and God can't awaken things in your life. I read a fascinating story and in a moment, I'm gonna hand over to Pastor Devon. I read a fascinating story about a man that many of you would have heard of called George Foreman. He was the two times heavyweight champion of the world at one time, grew up in poverty, one of seven children. His mother worked three jobs in order to provide for them. But George Foreman now today is a multimillionaire. He's an entrepreneur. He lives a wonderful life. In fact, he's lived a, a life of luxury even during his time as a fighter. And he says, but most of it was lived without God. And then he says he had an encounter and, and his reckoning with God came in 1977, minutes after he was pummeled into defeat by the heavyweight Jimmy Young. And uh, after that fight, this is what he says. He says, in the dressing room, I was walking back and forth to cool off. Then in a split second, I was fighting for my life. I kept thinking, you believe in God. Why are you afraid to die? But I really didn't believe. Foreman said he bargained with God, offering to, vote, to devote all his boxing prize money to charity. But he said, I, I heard a voice say, I don't want your money, I want you. Instantly he found himself in the bleakest darkness he'd ever experienced. It was the saddest, most horrible place I'd ever seen, he said. Then a giant hand plucked him into consciousness. Foreman said he found himself conscious on a locker room table surrounded by friends and staff members. He felt as if he were physically being filled with the presence of the dying Christ. 
He felt his forehead bleeding, punctured by a crown of thorns. His wrists, he felt, almost like they were being pierced, like the hands of Christ on the cross. He says in his own words, I knew that Jesus Christ was coming alive in me. I ran into the shower, turned on the water, and hallelujah, I was born again. I kissed everybody in the dressing room and told them I loved them. That happened in March 1977, and I have never been the same again. Do you know that in this room, God is saying the exact same thing to you? If you're here today and you don't know him, he's saying, I want you, not your money, not your charity. I want you, and I want to make you alive. People don't realize that when you're not born again, you're dead in trespasses and sins. I know it sounds dreadful, but it's the truth. We don't have spiritual life. We can have wealth. We can look good. We can dress well. We can drive a nice car. We can live in a mansion. But if you're dead spiritually, you won't go to heaven and you don't know Jesus. So today, you know what God wants to do? He doesn't just want to pay for your sins. He wants you to receive his new life and forgiveness of sins. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 